Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today, I'm speaking with Bill Lawrence out of Texas. And, um, and you know, Bill, and I know you're the CISO, current CISO of Security Gate IO. Uh, and looking into your resume, I mean, I think let's scratch that. Let's just focus on the part that you were an F-14 Tomcat fighter pilot. Let's start there and then move away, probably down, right? Because you can't really go up. <laughs> uh, everybody's got to grow up, I guess. So. <laughs> wow. So F-14s, are, are weren't those like decommissioned uh, at some point in like 20 years yeah. ago? 2006, who's counting? Um, and uh, replaced primarily by the uh, F-18 uh, Super Hornet. Yeah. Wow. I've had a chance to fly both of them, and I, I still miss that Tomcat. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. And, you know, uh, as long as I have you here and, and you already started introducing yourself, did you want to talk briefly about that period in time when, you know, you used to fly jets? Sure. Well, uh, I mean, I started out uh, in college. I was a computer science major. And then uh, when I went into the Navy, um, was able to get into flight school and uh, go through jet training and then got selected to fly 14 Tomcats. Uh, and that was, that was fantastic. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of learnings there from uh, a risk management and uh, uh, especially with operations point of view. Um, got to do three uh, carrier cruises from the East Coast in uh, like Virginia Beach through the Mediterranean uh, down to the Persian Gulf and back. Uh, some combat operations and then uh, transitioned over to the Super, Super Hornet, um, learned to fly that. And uh, uh, towards the end of my time in the Navy, I got to uh, have a short tour back at the Naval Academy where one of my collateral duties, I actually got to teach cybersecurity uh, to the midshipmen there. And that's what got me back into the, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a, you know, a computer guy along the way, but uh, it really got me uh, peaked as to what I was going to do outside the Navy. So um, throw into that some uh, project management skill, uh, picked up a PMP certification, and uh, then I went to go work at NERC, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. I uh, was there for uh, about nine years and uh, eventually the chief security officer there and the director of the electricity ISAC, the EISAC, uh, Information Sharing and Analysis Center, mm. and uh, responsible for running things like uh, uh, grid security exercise called GridX and our annual conference, uh, GridSecCon. And then um, came here to SecurityGate to uh, kind of continue things on, uh, became the CISO, uh, then also doing a lot of outreach and uh, uh, and learning from the other critical infrastructure sectors. Uh, it's uh, It's been a great ride so far. I'll, I'll be hitting my third month uh, at the end of this month. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, can you can you talk a bit about SecurityGate? Absolutely. Yeah, SecurityGate is a, uh, a SaaS company. We've got a platform that allows you to uh, 
do risk assessments um, from a security point of view. The uh, founders of the company, as well as uh, several employees, have a very uh, operational technology background. Um, they uh, were working, uh, several of them, in the oil and gas sector, and uh, really saw that the um, you know the assessment capabilities and the uh, uh, the ways to to measure risk weren't really where they needed to be. So started this company, and it's about four years old now. They've been, uh, uh, we've been um, working to help folks uh, identify that risk and streamline the, uh, the workflows so that you can visualize everything from a single pane of glass and get uh, you know, information from different facilities, uh, different frameworks, you know, NIST, CSF, NERC, SIP, C2M2, um, ISO 27001, uh, there, there's a bunch of them in the platform and uh, you answer the questions, it comes right back up, uh, saving you a lot of time and giving you a better visualization along with remediation steps um, that you wanna take in order to decrease your risk profile. So it's, uh, it's a great time to be in the company. We're really uh, uh, enjoying our conversations with people and understanding you know, where they need to uh, find efficiencies and, uh, and reduce their risk, especially with a lot of the most recent uh, attacks across critical infrastructure. Yeah, and are you, are you focused specifically like uh, on a specific market sector or are you servicing all market sectors? Um, well, for a while uh, it was in the oil and natural gas uh, sector, which was, um, you know, where the founders came from, but definitely looking across the 16 critical infrastructure sectors in the US, uh, we've got now uh, uh, people we work with in uh, the electricity subsector, uh, maritime, um, manufacturing, and I'm sure there's more too. The uh, yeah, yeah. sales team keeps uh, track of that better than I do. Okay, got it. Thank you. And you know, before we dive right in, let me just ask you like a personal question. Do you still fly? Uh, people keep asking me that. And uh, I have a, uh, a young family. Um, uh, my kids are... Uh, uh, not that old yet, so all my money and time goes to taking care of them. <laughs> Got so, it. And, you know, flying a little uh, Cessna Bug Smasher um, uh, is kind of neat. But uh, I do have some friends that I, I live vicariously through, um, uh, not the ones so much in the airline business or the, uh, the freight hauling business, but uh, there's a, a couple of them that are working for uh, adversary squadrons where they provide airplanes against uh, our forces to uh, do simulated uh, combat missions. And, uh, and yeah, they're having a lot of fun and, uh, and sharing that on Facebook every once in a while. Is that like a red team type That's of exactly uh, exercise? It is, yeah. Got it. yeah, they'd be flying the MiG-28s. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah. Uh, Got it. Okay. Interesting. Thank you so much for that introduction. And, you know, before we start going over your, uh, your journey, your path to the CISO seat, I always like to start off with a couple of icebreaker question, questions here. Um, if you could, you know, just share your favorite drink, maybe. Yeah, that's, 
going to be a, a beer. Um, right now, it's a blonde ale by uh, Southern Star Breweries called Bombshell Blonde. Um, that's really, uh, I, I discovered that when I came to Texas, and it's, uh, it's pretty nice. Um, and then, you know, uh, I like Blue Moon, Shinerbach, that's another Texas beer. And then uh, if I, uh, you know, want to go for a long extended session, I'll, uh, I'll break out the Guinness because that's, uh, that's a good beer for that. Got it. Yeah, I mean, out of the ones that you've mentioned, I know Blue Moon and like it. Um, so anyway, and, and look, you, you've had an interesting career, you know, moving from being a jet fighter pilot into the risk management world. Uh, but if there's like one thing you wish you'd know when, when you begin your career, what would that be? Uh, definitely, there's always a next level somewhere. Um, yeah. Are you trying to level up in the right direction, though? So whether, uh, you know, you're concentrating on your career, your family, friendships, uh, there might be some trade-offs that you have to make there and you have to do them wisely because, uh, you know, you can have the world's greatest career, but if you alienate your family, you know, by the time it's time to retire, you're not going to have anything to do with when you're retired. So um, just keep an eye on the, the whole picture as you're uh, progressing through your, through your life. And uh, a career is part of a life. It's not the whole thing, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, our, in my recent conversations, this topic came up a bit, actually. So I, I do think it's, uh, it's a common theme here. Um, you know, a lot of people lose sight at some point on what's important. And not to say that career is not important, but definitely I totally agree with you that, you know, if you invest all of your time in your career, you might end up, you know, with uh, alienated kids or even uh, a partner. So, yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Um, what would you say your biggest failure was and what did you learn from it? Oh, my. So many failures, so little time. Um, looking back, I mean, strategically, the biggest failure that I uh, that happened to me was um, uh, when I was flying Tomcats, I was living in Virginia Beach, as I mentioned. Uh, I kind of put away my strategic goals because if, if you go way, way back, um, I mean, 1977, there was this little movie called Star Wars that came out. It had the X-Wings. Yeah, those, those rock with movable wings. That's pretty cool. And then hmm. 1986, Top Gun came out. Hey, there's a plane with moving wings. That's really cool, too. Why don't we go do that? Um, you know, I, I was also really interested in the space program. I wanted to be an astronaut and, you know, the Naval Academy has more astronauts as a, uh, a session source than uh, any other college in the United States. So all those things kind of came true. And then I was flying Tomcats in Virginia Beach and I kind of like, eh, this is the, this is the pinnacle. This, this is the, as good as it gets. Let me just go and enjoy this and, and not worry about everything else. And, and sure enough, um, I didn't uh, do the things that would have been more career enhancing um, and given me the opportunity to potentially be an astronaut. Not that the astronaut program, uh, it was different back then than it is like today with SpaceX and the race and everything like that. But, uh, but I, I did take on board. I mean, the lesson learned there for me was you have to maximize every opportunity uh, that you have. You know, take the chances. Uh, do the homework. Uh, I got 
you know, uh, some great higher education from the Navy. I continue to get good certifications and, and training um, and, uh, you know, parlayed that into uh, a successful career transition from the Navy into, because uh, I used to do what, <laughs> what we call critical infrastructure destruction, <laughs> um, blown up stuff. And now uh, we're in critical infrastructure protection. So it's two sides of the same coin, but I was able to parlay that uh, on my career. Yeah, that, that, that puts a new meaning to the term red team, right? This, the destruction of infrastructure. You've reflected about your uh, what you perceived as, a, as failure. What would you say your biggest accomplishment was then? Uh, definitely, I mean, again, it's, uh, we're, we're talking about being a CISO and I'm talking to you about being in the cockpit, but it was a, uh, uh, a time when I was in the right place, right time. Uh, with the right training, uh, the right tools uh, to uh, defend some Marines who are on the ground uh, in, a, in Iraq from uh, an enemy attack. So they're uh, what's known as troops in contact. We got the warning to uh, to head over that way and uh, we're able to uh, uh, to do enough to get the adversary to uh, to go away and fight another day. Let's put it that way. Um, and it, uh, I bumped into one of the guys who uh, just randomly, um, you know, years later, and, uh, we figured out, first you figure out which service you're in. Oh, Navy, Marine Corps. Oh, we're ever in Iraq. Yeah, I was here, I was here. Oh, really? You were there, there? Yeah, we're ever near here? Yeah. And then figured out that uh, he was on the ground, I was in the air, and he said, uh, you know, thanks a lot. So it, that was probably my biggest accomplishment. Wow, yeah, definitely, I mean, uh, it sounds very impactful. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm not sure the next question would resonate because, again, you've had like a pretty extraordinary career, I would say. But but what advice would you give someone who wants to be pursuing a career similar to yours? See, you know, when, when you ask that, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's like, well how do you go and do all this stuff? Uh, somebody really young and starting out, I mean, the world's your oyster. Find out what you want to do with your life, uh, pursue that, learn about it as much as you can. There are so many amazing free online courses uh, that you can get a lot of that stuff that you know we used to have to you know, go to libraries for and look up in books and everything. So, um, but the trick is kind of like I was saying before, um, have a strategic plan to your life and then be prepared to tactically move towards that plan, uh, especially when life throws up roadblocks in the way. So uh, the, the military, you know, there's a certain amount of time you can serve and they, they kick you out one way or the other. So you have to have, you have to be looking beyond that and saying, what do I want to do? What do I have the skills to do? What can I get, you know, potentially, um, from my, my current situation, in my case, it was the military. In other cases, it's an employer. What can I, what can I do to uh, maximize my skills? And then, uh, uh, you know, continue to head in that same strategic direction um, with those little, little jinx here and there. Uh, so, but if you, <laughs> the funny thing is, if you want to be a Tomcat pilot, other than inventing a time machine, they've got these really uh, fantastic, um, uh, digital combat system, DCS uh, mock-ups, models that uh, some people have trouble telling 
uh, you know, videos from those online, whether they're real or not. Uh, I have not uh, had the time or inclination to fire one of those systems up myself, but when I when I finally retire, I will, and I'm sure by that time it's going to be all virtual reality, and it's going to be really awesome. So, but uh, go after what you want to do, and uh, and figure out all the things you need to do to accomplish that, and then knock them out one at a time. And do you recommend uh, young professionals to have this reflection very early on in their career? Um, some people know what they want to do, like from the beginning. Um, it was, uh, you know, it really was Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica back in the 70s for me that made me want to fly. Um, wow. But, uh, in other cases, your, your, your tastes and desires will change. Um, going to college, you can get exposed to a lot of different things, take different courses and classes. Uh, if you want to be uh, set for life in a career that will benefit you, um, learn cybersecurity. <laughs> it's a uh, under-resourced, understaffed, uh, fairly well-paid uh, uh, occupation. And then, uh, you know, learn as much as you can about information technology as well as operational technology. Um, you know, uh, give back when you can through teaching. Um, mm -hmm. You'll never know something better than you do if you have to actually teach it for a subject. And then, you know, like I said, those challenges, uh, find those certifications. That makes sense, um, you know, getting a CISSP, um, you're gonna need some experience uh, under your belt in order to do that. So those kind of things. Yeah, you know, I, I keep feeling that we should be having this discussion about Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars and whatnot, maybe comparing the Millennium Falcon to the Viper Fighter and uh, which one could take the other. Uh, certainly more interesting to me, but <laughs> we did yeah. be discussing the, those. Uh, yeah, and I, I'm not sure if you've watched the reboot of Battlestar Galactica that came out in 2004, but that was a, that was a great show, in my opinion. Uh, so I worked at a, uh, a teaching school for landing signal officers in the Navy. So they, LSOs stand on the back of the aircraft carrier and, you know, as Mavericks coming down to land, they're the guys with the, the radio and going to tell them to wave off or whatnot, um, call the ball Maverick. Uh, when I was at that school, I was the, the web head that created our website. And from uh, the production crew searching uh, for information on carrier landings, they found that and uh, came to the LSO school. Um, I had actually gone on cruise and, and came back and found out that they were visited by the, the folks from Battlestar Galactica. And that's why that, uh, that the, the kickoff episode 33 had a lot of Navy terminology in it uh, because they did a fact-finding trip to the Landing Seagull Officer School there in Virginia Beach. Wow, so, is that so? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, kind of neat. Yeah, that was the kickoff episode, but before that, they had like a pilot, like a almost like a full movie, like a two hours session. But uh, yeah, I, I, I digress. <laughs> um, so 
I wanted to ask him a couple more questions about the CISO role, actually. Um, in your opinion, um, what do you feel about the role of the CISO that's actually part of the IT organization? What are the, the pros and cons about that? Yeah, um, you shouldn't spell IT without the IS in CISO. Um, by that, I mean information technology is one thing, but uh, information security is really uh, what everybody needs to think about. And uh, the companies that do that across all hands um, is really uh, ahead of the curve as opposed to other ones that just uh, give lip service to, to cybersecurity and information security. So an organization, you know, uh, needs a CISO can get in the trenches, have the fundamentals under the belt to talk uh, tech with the subject matter experts, but then also pop up and roll right into, you know, um, a budget discussion with the CEO and uh, chief technology officer, um, you know, talk about a coherent strategy for the organization, where you're going to go, where are the gaps, and, you know, what can you do to, uh, to close those gaps and make your, your organization more secure? Because primarily if you're a, a SaaS organization like ourselves, I mean, our customer data is the number one thing we want to protect. So those are the crown jewels. So uh, everything the company was doing before I came here, um, I'm not making big changes, but I'm making it, uh, you know, kind of flow in a more cohesive narrative that, uh, you know, covers all the bases very smoothly. So, um, and, you know, if, if you're a CISO in IT and, you know, maybe potentially pigeonholed, you're reporting to CIO, or if you're a CISO reporting right directly to the CIO, I mean, wherever you are, you can make some influence with your, your leadership skills, uh, as well as your knowledge that you picked up along the way uh, that can help the company. Yeah, and you know, interviewing uh, quite a lot of CISOs this past year, I my personal take on that is that at the end of the day, it's the um, relationships that were you, that you're able to build with your peers, uh, regardless on on where you sit in the organization. So you might be as effective and as efficient whether you're in the IT organizations or outside of it, depending on like, you know, the culture in that organization and your personal skill set and the communication that you're able to form with, with fellow peers and, and colleagues. That's just, you know, that's, a, yeah. that's a really good point. Uh, those relationships. And um, one of the things we've seen with a lot of the folks we're talking to uh, are CISOs that all of a sudden get the risk uh, with regards to operational technology as well, that gets rolled up underneath, and um, and that's a different mindset there. And it used to be where the OT folks went and did their thing, uh, never talked to the IT department, uh, never had those strategy meetings about you know what risks they share or the ways that their systems can affect one another. And you know the the CISO would just be like, well, I'm in IT land. I'm just going to say no to everything OT needs. Uh, you know, be Dr. Dr. No in that situation. So it's, no. uh, I think, a, a natural progression that um, the CISO's role is going to, going to expand. And especially if uh, somebody's in an organization, they're showing, you know, expertise across several different uh, parts of the organization, they can, you know, you always, 
if you want to get something done, give it to somebody who's busy. <laughs> and uh, you can get recognized that way too. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's been a shift uh, for the past few years. CISO is not, is not an IT role. It's a business role. You need to, you know, you need to be working with IT, but you also need to be working with other parts of the business if you really want to be able to support it and enable it. Um, but yeah, I mean, your answer makes sense, obviously. Um, let's talk a bit about resources and, you know, influencers. Can you name like a few people or resources that have helped you along the way and has been the most influential to you? That's what's been really fantastic about my career. Um, getting out of the Navy and then going to work at NERC, meeting some fantastic uh, people that uh, really, you know, just totally gave of their time. You know, here's this uh, dumb fighter jock and let's, you know, try and stuff uh, information about the, uh, the electric grid and, uh, you know, OT, ICS, SCADA into his head uh, to the point where, um, uh, you know, we're able to use that more effectively for, for things like GridX, uh, which is uh, a pretty big exercise nowadays. Um, so, you know, some PI, the list is just, it's very long. Uh, Tim Conway is a guy, he's a SANS instructor, um, incredible amount of knowledge. Uh, he's been involved in some of the uh, most hardcore uh, technological uh, events of, uh, of recent years. Um, and he was my partner in crime in taking what he knew and I put it into, in, into GridX really. Uh, but, you know, things like uh, evaluating, uh, you know, the attacks in, in the Ukrainian electric grid, um, teaching the courses that he does, understanding the, uh, the NERC critical infrastructure protection standards, the SIP standards, as well as he did. He's just a, uh, a warm, friendly, uh, really great guy. And uh, I also have to thank uh, Jerry Colley, the CEO who hired me on to NERC, uh, seeing something there in this you know, again, uh, fighter jock who uh, had some uh, cybersecurity skills, had some project management skills, and then uh, giving me the reins to uh, to kind of run with those exercises and conferences. Um, and then uh, another guy, uh, Mike Asante. Uh, Mike was the first uh, CSO at NERC, um, and a a real again another powerhouse in the field. Um, involved um, if you uh, are let's see what's it called the aurora attack on uh, uh, a, a generator was staged at uh, idaho national laboratory um, and if you want to read a good book on the threats that our adversaries are cooking up for us uh, read uh, sandworm um, and uh, that relayed mike asante's uh, ability to get uh, industry and government to come together and, and see how uh, a cyber attack can have physical consequences to uh, grid electronics. Um, and uh, again, through the years, he's, you know, we stayed in touch with him. He was working out at, at a national laboratory, uh, got input into GridX, uh, and unfortunately he passed away uh, fairly recently. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but he's also mentioned in uh, uh, a book on uh, 
Cyber Inform, no, sorry, Cyber, Mike Asante had um, the foreword to uh, a recent book that came out uh, from another one, good one of my friends, uh, Andy Bachman, uh, called uh, Countering Cyber Sabotage, Introducing Consequence-Driven Cyber-Informed Engineering. And, uh, and I recommend that book um, because it gives you a different way of thinking about how to protect your, your OT assets um, in a way that, uh, you know, previous frameworks are all about, uh, you know, protection and detection. Well, this one assumes that adversaries are going to get into your networks. How can you make their job really hard to get to your crown jewels? So it's a, it's a good book. And like I said, it had uh, uh, Mike Asante in it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and thank you for that. And I wanted to ask you uh, another question about the, the common myths in our space. Uh, in, if there's any ones in particular that you wanted to debunk. Um, I guess the, the myth that I would debunk is that, uh, that it's not fun. <laughs> Um, if you if you look at it from a particular lens, uh, you know, defending your IT or OT assets, uh, the security aspect can be very challenging. Um, and if you do it really well, it can even be fun. Uh, you can do exercises, uh, you know, the training that you get um, to better defend things. Um, you can challenge each other in the space, um, you know, just talking amongst the team. Hey, if somebody did this, do we have anything that would stop it? Do we have anything that would even see that type of penetration into our network? And then you get a conversation going. Um, and, uh, and, and that's just a lot of fun uh, in my book. I don't know, maybe not everybody's. <laughs> and... Um... So talking about your, you know, daily routine and maybe ask, maybe I, I wanted to ask actually a bit about, uh, like, in your opinion, what are the main concerns that a CISO nowadays have? Ransomware, 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 <laughs> ransomware. Um, it, it really is ridiculous how, uh, how much of a challenge ransomware has become. And... Uh, you know, first off, uh, from an organizational standpoint, having a great backup capability, uh, as well as one that's exercised to say, you know, you just go walking through your, your spaces and say, okay, this, this laptop just got locked up. Can we completely restore it on another laptop? A person's entire, you know, email, whatever they need, uh, apps, functionality. Uh, that's one thing. Um, and try to do that, you know, 20,000 machines wide, um, like some organizations have had to do. And then there's uh, the organizations that have had to deal with, you know, uh, kill disk, where uh, they've had to actually go out and buy 20 or 50,000 hard drives. That's pretty crazy. But going, getting back to ransomware, the reason why it's uh, so pernicious is because it's, uh, that's where the money is. Uh, criminals are getting uh, paid and that's been um, fueling more and more episodes. And then it's getting worse too. So there's, they have what's now known as triple extortion and the uh, manufacturer JBS uh, or the, the meat uh, company JBS uh, 
was subject to this according to open source. Uh, uh, you know, number one, boom, we locked up your data, pay us. Number two, well, we took, we exfiltrated your data and we locked yours up. Now we got a copy of yours. We're gonna sell it on the open market, pay us, that's two. And then they say, well, we've got your data, we've got your customer data, we've got all that information, we're gonna threaten your customers and put their information out on the open market. So that's three different ways. Um, sometimes they're asking to get paid. So finally, um, the other challenge with ransomware too is the insurance companies are, are paying a huge amount of money uh, covering cyber extortion. And there's already a move in some companies, uh, in some countries like France with a major insurance uh, broker there that uh, is canceling policies and won't be paying uh, the extortion money anymore. So it's a, uh, ransomware is, is just huge. And if you've got good protections in there and good training for people, because people are the number one way to get stuff onto your networks um then you're you've got at least a fighting chance mm -hmm. yeah and I've, you know insurance has been a, a big issue in the last year actually since actually in the last year and a half since covid hit um yeah i guess the, they've been paying more than they planned all the big insurance companies so it's very hard nowadays to renew policies especially if it's in in and around cybersecurity realm um what would what can you share again without um, uh, divulging any confidential information about your daily routine, and maybe touch a bit about um, you know budget changes in general. You know if you compare 2019, 2020 uh, to 2021. So yeah, daily routine. Um, uh, you know my uh, news feeds. Um, know me by now, they know what I want to hear about, and usually stuff is popping up on those um, either before my commute or, uh, you know, sometimes on the radio when I'm, uh, uh, depending on what I'm listening to, uh, heading to work. Um, you know, I'm also connected to uh, a great many of uh, fantastic peers in, in cyber ITOT world and uh, a lot of the stuff that they post on LinkedIn is really of great interest to me. I don't do Twitter all that much, although there are a couple of people I do follow, uh, like uh, uh, Rob Lee, uh, Dragos, and uh, Elon Musk, because, you know, hey, he's here in Texas, right? So, uh, and then uh, there's a couple of um, newsletters I, I look to. Uh, one is Dale Peterson, uh, who's definitely got an ICS uh, slant to everything that he does and uh, runs a great conference. And then uh, Tom Ulrich uh, is a, uh, a NERC SIP commentator and the level of knowledge and detail that he goes into is, uh, is just eye-watering sometimes. Um, yeah, just one that came out I read today on, uh, on uh, about NERC SIP and the, the cloud. So uh, definitely a, a timely article. And, chock full of goodness. But in terms of uh, budget planning, um, so I've been here at Security Gate for uh, going on three months. Uh, so my, my last year budget didn't exist. Uh, but I, what I would say is that the company is very focused on security. Like I mentioned, uh, uh, the keys 
the, the crown jewels are, are the cut is the customer data and the, the things that we collect in the platform as well as our intellectual property. So uh, by doing a gap analysis and figuring out what um, training, you know, is people, processes and tools, right? PPT all the time. So the training for the people, uh, we got some good courses lined up uh, to get the skills that we, uh, advanced skills that we need. Uh, the processes, you know, making sure that our uh, everything for business impact analysis, business continuity plans, incident response plan, disaster recovery plan, everything is living, breathing, um, and up to date. Uh, and then also the the tools, uh, you know, uh, in SaaS, we want to make sure that we we're, we're building on uh, the stuff that we've already got from our our cloud provider, um, as well as. Uh, the great thing is, you know, I didn't even have to prompt this. Uh, they already had two-factor authentication and uh, and bring your own key encryption uh, built into the platform even before I showed up. Now it's just my job as a CISO to beat the drum for you know, our our clients to actually uh, turn that on and use that uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And and I wanted to cover two more main topics here in, in this episode today before we run out of time. One would be around vendors, but we can hold we can we can hold that for a moment. Uh, the other one I wanted to ask you about innovation in our space. And you know, given the fact that you have somewhat uh, different background in the OT space, I'm curious to to hear your, your thoughts about like what would you define as innovation in our space? Is it more along the lines of prod, new products and services, or is it more along the lines of changing the way um like cybersecurity professional position their departments within organizations if that makes sense yes it does um i would say that there's there's probably a couple of different things that we're seeing uh one is those really hardcore uh you know, let's get our, our fingers in the operational technology and, and see what's actually going on. So the visibility that we're getting there, uh, the understanding of uh, how adversaries might get to those networks and then alerting on that kind of stuff. That's the kind of thing that, um, you know, some of the, uh, uh, I, I think it's boiling down to like the, the big four or five out there, like Nozomi and Palo Alto, Dragos, Clarity, um, they're, they're really doing some good work there because they tied it to uh, threat intelligence and they're doing, um, you know, evaluation of what's gone on with attacks in the world. I mean, you go back to like 2017 with the, uh, the Trisis or Triton attacks on uh, safety instrumented systems against a petroleum plant in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, this malware was built to kill people because it uh, stopped it would have stopped the plant's uh, ability to, to shut down the systems in case something went out of uh, parameters. Um, so these are the kind of things that they, they're truly getting the, the technology and wisdom uh, to prevent. Um, on the, uh, the other side of the house, um, and still very necessary, is looking across the landscape, uh, seeing the risk uh, not only in the OT environment, which we're very focused on, but then also how the IT uh, aspects um, uh, come into play. Um, and having those conversations come up to a strategic level in a, in a you know, single pane of glass 
where uh, you can see not only uh, a facility and drill down, but you can see across facilities, uh, things like CVE, CVSS, uh, risk scores, um, uh, breach scores, um, everything comes together. And now the great thing is uh, we've been able to build partnerships with several of those organizations I mentioned, where we can have integrations and pull up that rich data from their uh, from their information and put it into that dashboard, put it into reporting, and then uh, work on remediations of that risk. So it's, uh -huh. it's a really, a lot of things are coming together right now. And uh, it's an exciting time to be part of this industry. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the market is booming. Um, and, you know, I wanted to ask a couple of questions about vendors, but let's bundle them into maybe one overarching question. So, you know, when, when you consider vendors, what it is that you feel that they're not doing properly? Well, when vendors get a, an opportunity, so I'm a vendor now too. <laughs> this is a different thing for me. I work for a, a not-for-profit called the Navy and a not-for-profit called NERC. What I saw when I was at NERC and running conferences that did allow vendors to come, I saw the vendor, you know, potential customer interaction. And what vendors didn't do then was take time out to listen, take yeah. time out for the customer to really uh, expand on, you know, who they are, what they're dealing with before they're already diving in with, well, hey, my, my black box will make your life all better. Well, Maybe, maybe not. Um, and if you you steamroll over somebody trying to tell you that story, uh, you you know you probably lost lost a client. And uh, it's made it more difficult, you know, uh, not being face to face, obviously, with uh, with COVID and everything like that. Um, but given uh, you know that give and take really needs to be there. Yeah. And um, I think in a recent conversation, someone told me that what they dislike mostly about vendors is exactly that. And they actually mentioned the following phrase, listen first, talk later. And, and yeah, I mean, when it goes on to that automatic pitch, I think that's when they lose a lot of uh, like potential partners, I would say. Yeah, start spewing buzzwords left and right. <laughs> You're not helping anything. Any specific uh, other CISOs in the industry that you look up to? A specific what in the industry? Chief Information Security Officers. Oh, um, yeah. Well, one comes right off the top of my head. Uh, Guy named Mark Weatherford. He was uh, another uh, NERC chief security officer, and uh, did the whole um, uh, you know public and, and private uh, service thing really well. He, he also worked for uh, the U.S. government. He uh, worked for state government, and uh, uh, is very. Uh, he, he's written a lot of articles about. Uh, uh, public policy that would have positive impacts on uh, the cybersecurity landscape uh, for our nation. So I think he does a really good job of articulating um, some of the stuff that uh, is kind of hard. Um, it's an interesting world we live in where uh, 
you know, people coming up with the, the laws of our land don't necessarily have the deep uh, knowledge that they might need to, um, to, uh, to come up with the right laws or regulations on cybersecurity. And uh, yeah, so uh, he's definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, great. Now, we did speak a bit about vendors. Uh, is there any way you would say you would recommend to a vendor that they can, I mean, connect with you in a non-intrusive manner online or not online? And this question goes to listeners as well, I, I believe. Um, yeah, so vendors, uh, I don't like calls to my phone. I uh, don't like inboxes filled with one-liners saying, it's been so long since we talked when I have no previously established relationship with you. Um, I don't like, uh, you know, a lot of attachments. I don't like links. Um, so I know I make things difficult on the vendors to get in touch with me, but uh, I do like, um, you know, cybersecurity events that have value to, uh, you know, to the profession that have, uh, you know, people of the higher caliber uh, as speakers and uh, talking about recent events, talking about protections, um, not necessarily selling a product, but sponsored by companies that have, uh, you know, the capability to do so. And then I don't mind, um, you know, getting contacted after those kind of things since I gave my contact information up to to join uh, the webinar. If there's, you know, somebody who actually uh, cares to get in touch with me on a professional level, I am uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me pretty easily there. Like I said, I don't really do much on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, that's probably about it. <laughs> right. Um, wrapping this up with a couple of uh, last questions here, what would you say is the single most important thing to you in your career? Let's see. Um, trust. It's hard to come by, uh, very easy to lose. But if you've got that established, if you've got, you know, your circle of trust, the people that you can reach out to at any time to talk about an issue, um, whether it's professional and maybe hopefully you get that where you can uh, expand that to the personal realm too. Um, that has uh, benefited me uh, greatly um, because information sharing, uh, one of the, the biggest roles was safeguarding information that was shared with me at the electricity ISAC uh, and, and telling everybody, look, you can trust us to never share the information beyond the limits that you asked us to. Um, and you know, after a few years of telling them that, they, they started to trust us and started to see some examples of, of information used in the, the, the method that they, they shared with us. Um, and that's where uh, I've seen mistakes being done uh, you know, by the government, by some industry folks, uh, and and trust is really difficult to get back. So I yeah. think the an ability to be uh, forthright and and build that trust with others is 
has been a great part of my career. I've enjoyed that. Okay, yeah, makes sense, especially in our space. And for a final question, I always like to ask, uh, if you had unlimited funds, what would you do with your life? <laughs> yeah, I had uh, unlimited funds. I had, uh, well, if money was never an issue. I petitioned the Navy to let me dig a, a Tomcat or two out of the boneyard and uh, hire back all the, uh, uh, the maintainers that used to take care of them and, and go flying around the air show circuit. That would be, that would be what I do with my, my money and time. Really? Specifically with the F-14? I mean, there are newer planes right now, right? Like the F-35, 22, 16. Yeah, the F-14 has just got something about it. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, just really raw power, raw. Uh, uh, Hemingway has a quote. It's like, uh, you know, uh, and I'll, I'm butchering it right now, but uh, something about, uh, you know, uh, a man has but one heart to lose in fighters and uh, uh, give him a, a beautiful one as first one and his heart will be forever with it or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I can definitely see you're still passionate about that period of your life. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, I wanted to thank you so much for your time and joining me today. And hopefully your uh, answers and our discussion would be able to help some professionals along the way. I enjoyed our talk and I'm hopeful that you enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much, Absolutely. Bill. You bet. Have a great day.